everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about Pandora's Jewelry Box, Hearts of Death Water, and the origin story I know you've all been waiting for, The Red Leather Jacket. I'm Beth Alderkin, I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? Finally, the Red Leather Jacket has an origin story, the thing that fans... <laughs> absolutely clamoring for from day one just the amount of fan fiction written and theories written about where this red leather jacket came from and now finally answers answers we needed those we needed we needed the answers i mean i will say i liked the backstory i just feel like it all leading up to so that's how she got her jacket it's a little corny i don't hate it but it is corny it is, and also the ham-fisting of armor in it uh, was yeah. just, uh, this, this was a, they, they painted with a heavy hand in this episode. Yes, everyone. This episode is season five, episode 20, Firebird. You know, that word we're all very familiar with, Operation yeah. Firebird. It's famous. Yes. Although um, German, like the German title it's like, it's not good. I just feel like it's a little sassy. I might be just be reading into it weird because it's thanks to the underworld. It's like, thanks to the underworld, I'm like stuck here forever and it sucks. It, it, well, you gotta, but you gotta put like the German kind of like mood to it where it's like, no, thanks. Thanks to the underworld. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Gotta go. And see ya. <laughs> like, thanks. <laughs> see you later. We had a great time. Bye. <laughs> let's do lunch or better yet not yeah well i'll call you i'll see you later and then you never hear from that person ever again <laughs> so this episode was directed by ron underwood and written by none other than jane espenson and it is no surprise when you think about the really deep like the deep heartbreaking moments particularly at the end of the episode really feel like espenson's writing and it really feels like something that we don't see often enough in the show but i like when we do like, we'll, we'll talk about the ending when we get to the ending, but just as a preface, like, I like that we ended kind of bummed. Yeah, it was a bummer of an ending. And I'm not going to lie to you, I was crying. I know how this ends. I know <laughs> the future. And I was still just like, oh, but again, I'm also like, I'm a crier in general. So like, I feel like I keep saying that being like, oh, it made me cry. I cry all the time. So I don't think that that should be a good yardstick. So... Yeah, and it's and there's also kind of another element to it because you were telling me you you didn't really remember this episode and then you oh, looked yes. it up and uh, yeah. yeah oh yeah I was I I got probably about 15 minutes into this episode and I just went I have no recollection of this episode like I have like it felt not even like a fever dream like I had bits and pieces like it had been explained to me and I was watching it play out so I looked it up it was the day before. My baby dragon was born. So there is a very good chance I either A, never watched it, or I was so heavy with child and prepared. Because I think I, I gave birth on a Monday on, a, on an unscheduled C-section. And I went in at like 8 o'clock. So I watched this like less than 12 hours from being admitted to the hospital. So whether I've watched it or not, I have no idea. But I'm pretty sure that is when our guest stars started stepping in. For like one or two episodes before I got back from my maternity leave. 
Yes, yeah. I think you might have kind of already stepped out for your maturity leave for this episode. So, you know, coming into it with, you know, quote unquote, fresh eyes, what was that experience like? Because, you know, for the most part, we've seen everything in the show and we can remember, you know, little pieces of it here and there or whole chunks in more memorable episodes. I, I, it was weird because it didn't have a weird nostalgia lens on it. Like, I think that was the thing that caught me off guard the most was that I wasn't seeing things repeated or at least that I could recollect repeated. So it didn't have like a, ah, oh, shucks, it's fine. Cause it was whatever. It was just like, you're rewatching a show. Like <sighs> I started rewatching true blood. Really? I just like out of like, I started thinking about it. I don't know why, you know, it was probably because I'm just like, I'm trying to get to the seasons with Joe Manganiello, who is like I, a person from that, that, that they made up in a factory <laughs> for me. <laughs> They're like, look, he's giant and he's, he's handsome and he's made of every muscle you've ever seen in the world. But also he likes to get custom D and D tables made. And he's a super huge nerd. Like it's like him and Henry Cavill are just like big, giant, beefy nerds. Anyway, it's not the point. But I started rewatching True Blood, and True Blood came out ar- around the same time. First of all, I'm remembering why I didn't like Neil. <laughs> because Neil is in the first season of True Blood as a not super stellar dude. And he also plays a guy with a very heavy, ca- like a very heavy and very fake Cajun accent. And he's just kind of like there but then i'm gonna spoil to cover take your earplugs out for a second if you don't want the first season's one he ends up being the bad guy who is just murdering any woman that's ever been with a vampire um and so yeah he's not great and so it was just like mm. seeing neil which is why i'd been far enough away from it seeing neil when we did the rewatch i was like oh i love him i started rewatching true blood and i went oh this is why i didn't like neil i had too much of a permanence attached to him but Again, it's a show that when you watch with the nostalgia factor, you're just like, okay, sure, it's fine. I could not imagine someone who has not watched True Blood rewatching it now in the year of our Lord 2023 and going, this show rules. Even its first season, which was like first and second, I think, were the strongest. And then it did HBO's thing where it hit a, hit the skids, but then kept going for a while. <laughs> that one is... I mean, we're, I know we are talking about potential, like, post, you know, post Once Upon a Time plans. I, I do think we can keep that one on the roster. It's it's violent, so I'll have to be mindful of that. But I know that one goes so off the rails by the end, and I didn't watch it. So it would be very fresh for me. But, like, I know there's, like, fairies by the end. There's, like, a whole fairy realm or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a fairy realm. There's, there's, there's where other animals. There's a whole, there's a whole situation Genuinely, I don't remember which show you told me that you watched where the gore was so hilarious that you could stand it because it was just so comic. Like, not comical. Like, it was so absurd. I oh, think Cabin maybe. in the Woods. Yeah, yeah. It's got that kind of vibe to it where it's just like, there's blood, but it's like, oh. <laughs> there's only a couple of scenes where it even skeeves me out, but it's usually like the sucking on blood stuff. Everything else is just like... That's not real. <laughs> like, in it, no way would it, I will say, though, it would be pretty funny to watch a, uh, an HBO rated, you know, like, adults show where it's like, well, th- this is the part where they, they did sex stuff. So we're just there. Okay. Moving yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> And this, and for the next 15 minutes, we will be talking about this really long extended sex scene. Uh, and, uh, yeah, 
So anyway, yes. back to the original point, a nostalgia factor really does something to the show. Uh, and so I didn't have that for this episode. I did not have a nostalgia paintbrush of, oh yes, we're going, ah oh, yes, that classic ambrosia basement uh, scene. <laughs> I, I still liked it, but it wasn't, uh, I could, I felt like I was calling stuff based on just being a witness as opposed to knowing what happens in the future where you're watching it going, okay, so she saves him and not her heart. And okay, that's the test. It's, I guess. <laughs> I, I will note that, um. I was reading an Entertainment Weekly recap of this episode because I was kind of curious what the reactions was because I was I'm split on it. And they they wrote Morpheus and Eurydice. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, and I don't think it was on purpose. Anyway, let's go ahead. And speaking of Neil, we are going to travel back to slightly post-Neil, Emma, who has uh, who's gotten out of her, her jail time. And presumably this is post-Henry as well because she has the bug and Neil's not around and or anything. And she's desperate for answers. And yeah, she she's uh, she's headed back to the lobster house. I love just love that the beginning part of the wiki article is in tw- 2009 Maine at Chantley's Lobster House. The last location where both baby Emma and Pinocchio arrived in 1983. She... She just like walks up to the counter. Hey, have you seen? Have you seen these people? Do you know anything about this? And the lady, I love this woman so much. Favorite character, bar none, whole episode. She's just like, lady, we can't keep a fry cook for a full shift. No. (laughs) This was before I was born. No. (laughs) Do you want to buy something? To which Emma says yes. Like, Emma buys, like, Emma gets food. That's my favorite part. I'm here. I am hungry. But also, I am on my life's mission to find my birth parents. While you're getting my crab rangoon, whatever. I don't know what they're selling there. Lobster stuff, sorry. My lobster roll. Um, have you <laughs> have you seen the slides across the table? <laughs> One might say she's hungry for answers. Ooh. And she goes and she sits down and thump. And then I, again, again, since I was watching this with like one of the, like, I, no, no knowing what was really happening. But then approaches a woman and the moment you see everything about this woman, you're just like, okay, this will be an important person in Emma's life as she is basically dressed as Emma in a brown j- leather jacket, not a red leather jacket, almost mm-hmm. same hair, but a brunette. As all, uh, can I can two, I tell you something a little bit twisted? Go. Yeah, the, I was watching this in the middle of the day, and the light was kind of hitting the TV. So sometimes it's hard for me to. The, there was a bit of glare, yeah. So I couldn't tell what color her jacket was, and I thought it was the red jacket. And I was like, "Is Emma going to be taking a jacket from a dead woman at some point in this episode?" Like my brain went there because I did not remember this dynamic at all. I mean, th- I, that's not what happened, but it crossed my mind. So, and I will tell you, and I will tell you in bullet points, because there's a long walk to how I got where I was going. But basically, um, if you haven't seen, everyone's doing a, a lot for the Taylor Swift concerts. Like, they're dressing up in very large outfits. It's a whole thing. So, my sisters and I have decided that we're going to do something silly. I have picked out what I'm going to do. It will include tie-dyeing things. So, I've been researching tie-dye. So, seeing that jacket, I didn't think it was red. But I thought to myself, 
is Emma going to do arts and crafts? <laughs> Did she make her jacket red herself? I love that for her. <laughs> and it would also involve stealing it off of a dead woman or just stealing it from a woman. Maybe she's dead or not dead. We she, don't know. It's red because it's stained with blood. We just find out that it's the nastiest jacket. Oh, in my the God. World. Ew. Oh, what a weird Pulp Fiction-like background for this jacket. So this woman comes up and she's like, hey, are you the little girl in that, in you the baby? Are you the baby in that article you're peddling? And it's like, you got me. Maybe. I will say I like Jennifer Morrison's characterization of herself as younger when we're so much farther into her. Like, as she gets older, her characterization of her as a child somehow gets better because she had like her eyes got bigger i didn't know that her eyes could get bigger maybe it was the glasses but her eyes had that big doughy like doe eye not doughy doe eyed look where she just anything could be happening to her but she was also skittish like you could tell that not great things have happened to her um, and she's like, yeah, I was a baby. I was just trying to find some stuff out about my birth parents. And she goes, oh, that's fun. That's great. Did you also like steal a bunch of stuff in Phoenix and then ditch your bail? And just, Emma takes off running. Just goes. And you can tell she's not experienced in this because she also doesn't like throw any tables behind her. Like you got to like yeah, put stuff I, in your way. I was kind of hoping Cleo would say, uh, why do they always run? Because that was Emma's line in the first episode. Yeah. Because they were definitely doing a callback to yeah. that episode. And it would have been cheesy, but I was kind of waiting on that line a little bit. I was hoping for like a a, a similar one. Because she did sigh where it was just like, oh, this, this woman does this a lot. But I was hoping for like at least a twist on it where it's just like, they always run. Um, and she goes and she, she does like the scary monster thing where she just like walks. But Emma is running because... Cleo, by the way, does Cleo Fox, is that like a reference to anything? Is it just a I honestly fake don't name? know. It's, it's, it does not sound like a, a name a human being has. I'm sure at some point a human being has had that name, and I do greatly apologize if they're one of our listeners. They're listening. This does... person named Cleo Fox is like, my moment is here, and Abby and Beth are dunking on her. <laughs> oh, how dare you? We're monsters, no. guys. Um, but yeah, so she goes, because she's booted, she's booted Emma's beetle, booted the beetle. Much like Emma did to the guy in the first episode. I love the idea that this, like, most of this trip to Phoenix was just this woman, like, being like, here is the wiki how on how to be a Bonds woman and how you can be super cool at it and be awesome. Yeah, this definitely feels like one of those, like, when you're early in a video game and you get a training level and it's a flashback. This is one of those flashback training training montages. Like here's here's how you press X to jump. <laughs> press Y to try and drive with a boot on your car. Yeah, right. It's just like now if you ever need to talk to me, just hit the L L trigger T. Let's try it. <laughs> Why are you standing around talking? Get in the beetle. Hit the R trigger T. <laughs> oh, I love it. So like she gets her and sh- they take her back to a hotel. She takes her back to a hotel room. I love the idea that Cleo Fox is really bad at this job because the first thing she does is handcuff Emma with her emo sleeves on. Emma didn't need to pick that lock. She just needed to slide the thing off. And then like she, she tightened it around the sock on her arm. Like that's, is not how it works. Yeah. Also you don't, 
immediately leave her alone to go take a shower. Like, I thought she was doing it to, like, try and trick Emma. Test her. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a test. And then Emma was going to fail. She did fail, but that's just because she super failed. And she got distracted. Everyone fails. It's a failure of monumental proportions. Uh, because yeah, she gen- she leaves her with a free hand. You leave a girl that has been like on her own, stealing, fleeing bail. You don't let her have her dominant hand back. Like she 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 cuffed her left hand, right? Yeah, she yeah. cuffed her left hand and gave her a right hand. And Emma literally just reaches forward, grabs something, and like no, you arms behind the back to a radiator or something. Come on, get it together. So Cleo goes and takes a shower. Emma makes a run for it. Emma takes a bunch of money out of Cleo's uh, purse, notices the little girl in the picture, and just goes, don't worry, I think your mom will be fine, to no one. Puts it back in the purse, and then Cleo has on her computer, findaperson.net. And Emma (laughs) is just like, I wonder if this could... I genuinely like Emma's next line when Cleo, like, runs out of the shower. Like, ah, damn it, how could my perfect plan have not worked... And Emma turns around and Emma definitely has that like not super computer savvy anymore like yet childlike wonder of do you think you could find my barber on here like she just <laughs> she looks so excited like she's been on that computer for 15 minutes I love that Cleo took the world's longest shower and got dressed and combed her hair all this stuff just trusting that Emma was still cuffed to the bed. Or trusting that her her honeypot of a laptop would be enough to entice Emma from leaving altogether. That was her safety plan. Her backup I, was a computer. I will say, I, w- I appreciated that they didn't give her, like, Regina 2.0 vibes where it was just like, oh, well, if she can get out of that, she won't be able to resist the laptop. And, like, for her to come out of the shower and not panic. I love that she panicked. She's yeah. like, damn it. And she's, like, trying to figure it out. A Regina esque character which we've seen a number of times like with the ice queen with things like that where they come out and they were like aha i knew the computer would trap you i didn't even need to handcuff you you're a dumbass nope we're all dumbasses here hooray yeah it's not i mean we already get enough of the uh the secret and super intelligent double triple crossing in this mm -hmm. episode we don't need it in the flashback too i know everyone's got an uno reverse card ah um so Emma, like, agrees to go quietly to Phoenix if they can go to, like, the courthouse to find her record. So they go, and she's like, yeah, I guess that's fine. So they go, the guy gives her a small file, and she's like, the file's so small. What did you expect them to have, little baby Emma? Did you expect, like, a lot of stuff? Like, I I, I guess I just don't understand what she was expecting to find, but she was also very desperate, so I, I guess that makes sense. It's got, like, what she was found with, which includes the blanket. It's got, like, some written statement about the boy. And then Emma freaks out. She, like, tries to, like, jump over the counter. They leave. And she's just like, yeah, I, to- I told you I'd take you here. I took you here. Now you're going to go quietly with me to Phoenix. Emma says, lol, no thank you. Then breaks into the courthouse. And then Cleo breaks into the courthouse to find her. And then the cops show up because there's a silent alarm. And everything that happens next is super quick because they basically run out. There's a window broken. They climb through the window. They run down an alley. Cleo hits the ground. 
And I do like Emma's note where she says, I didn't hear a gunshot because Cleo's hands are just covered in blood. She's like, I didn't hear a gunshot. She's like, I didn't get shot. The biggest piece of glass you've ever seen in your life is sticking out of this woman. And then she like drama dies, even though the, the glass has not been pulled from her. Like, I think she would have had a couple more seconds or not seconds, like maybe a couple, like maybe 30 minutes. I think she would have made it. Yeah. But she was like, no, it's a piece of glass. Those aren't the ambulances, you dumbass. It's it's the cops. Don't be found here. Run. And I don't have a family. Uh, that little girl. Oh, that little girl you found in my wallet? That's a picture I took of her from across the street. <laughs> what? What happened? <laughs> She's like, oh, I was her birth mother. I gave her up. And like, I do like that they don't walk us to Emma having to say something like, I came in on the cyclone. I gave a baby up for adoption. I'm glad we didn't get that moment. It was all in Jennifer Morrison's face. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um. So anyway, she runs. She leaves. Smash cut to many years later. What? Oh, no, I'm sorry. One year later. And we go to uh, Tasha Morris's place of business. Good news. Guess what they sell there? They sell red leather jackets and very 2010s uh, striped shirts. And trauma dumping uh, at the first minute of your shift? Yeah, I feel so bad for this young woman. This was a lot. She has to work six hours now. Could you imagine? You go, like, you call your boss and you're like, "I, I have to take off today. Tasha, why? Okay, stay with me. I came in. I was checking the register. A woman... Who then later bought a red jacket, which was super, super chill of her, uh, came in to tell me about my birth mom. She gave me all these pictures. And now I'm emotionally devastated because now I just found out she's dead. So I need to go home. What? <laughs> What's going on? Can you get someone to cover for you? Yeah. Can you get, can you call Tyra to come sh- sh- uh, cover for me? I'm having, I need to call my therapist immediately. Uh, yeah. Emma comes in. And tells this girl, hey, here's what I could find on your mom. Here's some pictures of you. I will say that, like, Emma was kept using past tense. I knew your mom. She was wonderful. Here's what I found on her. You know, things like that. And then she's like, oh, my God, where's my mom? And Emma's just like, yeah she, ooh. Ooh. i thought i thought you could put the pieces together without me saying it yeah like you gotta be like listen i knew your mother it's a, like, i don't know how you would lead with hey i this this dead woman that is your mom like because i feel like this girl has probably like always in the back of her head just had a story of like where she thinks is going so like even giving her the hey i know your birth mom has burst open an entire traumatic part of her brain and then just being like oh but she's dead so you can't meet her like you've just crushed a, a, an adopted kid's dream I, I i and i have to wonder and i'm sure i'm like i'm i'm sure this is very apparent and i'm just like reading into something i don't need to read into but I have to wonder if, like, that response from Tasha is what prompted Emma to put on her armor. Because she gave up Henry. And he, and she, she's looking into the face of a young woman who's going to have the same 
who's going to have the same story as as her her son who she gave up. And no, she yeah. doesn't want to think about that. She doesn't want to deal with that. She wants to just and as opposed to just being close enough, she's like, "No, I have to I have to completely separate myself because everyone I've ever loved is gone, leaves me, dies, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Okay, so first of all, Reading way too much into stuff that's not supposed to be read into is literally the whole reason we're here right now, Beth. So continue (laughs) doing what you're doing. Second of all, I agree with you. I think that what that interaction gave was the motivation for Emma to say, I need to not have... Like, the face that that girl gives her, I think, is a mirrored look of Emma's hopes and dreams living out on her face. And I feel like in that moment, Emma goes, oh, I need to not literally live with my heart on my sleeve. I will hide my heart in my red leather jacket sleeves. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, not just as a child who was abandoned with no explanation, but also as a mother who has given her child up and will not and, you know, and will not be able to give that child any closure as far as she knows. Oh, my God. This the cycle continues. It's it's a pretty intense when you really think about it. Although I have to wonder if all of this could have been avoided. If. Because they went to the courthouse when it opened at nine. They were probably there for what, 20 minutes? He mm-hmm. didn't have to look very hard. There wasn't anyone else there. And then she's like, starting tomorrow, we're going back home. Why don't you just hit the road right away? You don't yeah. you don't need to pay for another night of your motel. Just get go. It's, it's nine. You check out at 11. Yeah. Go. Just go. And then what Emma would you have, have been, with you. Yeah. So like if Cleo had been, let me just say, better at her job. Just saying. Listen, she's not a real, real dead person. She's a fake dead person. So I will malign her as much as I want. She was bad at her job. <laughs> Boo, Cleo. <laughs> I wonder what her unfinished business is. Oh, my God. Just being like, she's like a Bonds person in the underworld, and she has to complete a hundred successfully in a row before she can go. Oh, no. She'll never get out of there. Her weird Sisyphus task. She keeps handcuffing people with one handcuff and never learns her lesson. We must must imagine Cleo being competent. No, no, no. Here's what. No, she has to, her... Her unfinished business, in order to complete it, she has to arrest successful Cruella. <laughs> Never gonna happen. No. She's stuck there forever. No. That is that is the 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 point. That is the top point. She's like, okay, oh my god, have you c- completed ninety-nine successful bonds? You've arisen? Now, boss level. <laughs> you must arrest <laughs> like she continues to fail at arresting Cruella every several couple of years. Oh, that's so funny. Um, but yeah, uh, and then Emma's just like, you know what? Hey, kid, can you ring this up for me? I was really hoping that, like, it didn't fit and she had to pick a different one. would <laughs> be like, can you ring this up for me? Puts it on like a rock star. Oh, uh. It's kind of baggy. This, this isn't, this isn't doing anything for me, is it? Like, puts on, like, a purple one first. Be like, ooh. Mm-mm. Or she does the thing where she holds out her arms in front and then the sleeves crop too <laughs> short. Because, you know, when it's too tight on your back. And she's like, oh. Because that's what everybody does when they try on a jacket. You put yeah. your arms in. You just like go really fast. Yeah. You got, like, uh, uh, stretching. All right. Well, let's go ahead and journey into the underworld where everybody's stupid and makes bad decisions. Oh, constantly. Except for two people who are bad people. 
they don't make stupid decisions because they we don't allow them to make well we allow one of them to never make stupid decisions and the other one we're just gonna keep around for just long enough where he will die because we can't have Zelina be happy she can't succeed she has to fail anyway so we get the aftermath of Regina with just the most awestruck stupid face this whole episode like I'm sorry I get that Regina was just fed a bunch of happy memories of the one day she spent with Zelina and realized that they're sisters yeah that is not enough for Regina to to make all the decisions that she makes because every single one of them gets just compoundedly worse and worse and worse. Regina was out of her damn mind this whole episode. Yep. There wasn't a single brain cell she was utilizing. I don't, I did not care for this start to finish. Regina's characterization. I mean, I like the idea of her giving Zelina more benefit of the doubt. But that would not include the baby. No. 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 She's like railroading everybody, including Robin. No. Yeah. So Regina has told Zelina, go to him. Go go be with go be with your man, but and fix him. At one point Regina's like literally says she thinks she can fix him. And I just wanted to throw things at the ceiling. <sighs> We don't fix people. We don't fix people. Unless we're a therapist. Then we lead people to fix themselves. That's right. That's the best you can do. And everybody is just ganging up on Regina and for good reason. Because they're just like, what were you thinking? This is a terrible idea. It's a terrible decision. It's going to have terrible ramifications. Hook especially is like, um, so Zelina's just going to date the guy who was torturing me? That, we're just we're just gonna do that like okay hades is the only one with his head on his shoulders this whole episode yeah and he's doing he's being a bad guy and he's doing a really good job of it because he tricks everybody so hades shows up and he's like hey guys um so i'm gonna need your help because uh my girl's been kidnapped by a golden pan Golden pan. <laughs> Golden pan. Golden this, pan. The what did they hold on? Who who called it? I think it was Cruella calls them the the Stillskins. <laughs> the Stillskins <laughs> have stolen them. Have stolen her. Oh my god. And they want to basically they're using Zelina as leverage to uh, get Hades to tear up the contract. Because that's what we all love. We all love a stand down where everybody stands around and talks and then the thing gets resolved very easily. I love that. I love that as a resolution to a storyline. It was amazing. It was my favorite scene of all time. And I think everyone deserves an Emmy. Amazing. 10 out of 10. (laughs) And Hades is like, you know, I'm going to give them what they want. I'm going to do the thing. Uh, But Emma, I need you as backup uh, because I'm pretty sure they're going to not, their tricksters are not going to hold up their end of the deal. They're going to find some way to uh, weasel out of it and Emma's like okay I'll go all right I'll do it and then that happens and I don't want to go into detail about it because it's stupid Pan shows up Rumble shows up Zelina's there Hades is there he tears up the contract yay we love a really easy resolution to a really complex storyline it's a great yay Sorry, I just love how long the contract is <laughs> 
It's so long. It's so, so lengthy. Long. Was that the original contract that Rumpel signed? Or was that Hades' version of the transfer? Like, was it also the contract of signing over the contract from the previous owner to him? So many questions litigation-wise about this contract. But also, it yes, it tore very easily. It did. It, right down the middle. Almost too easily. God, I thought it was a trick. I was like, haha, it was invisible ink. None of it's real. You're a dumbass, but no. No, there are tricks, but this is apparently not one of them because let's just say having an ongoing storyline about a contract over a baby, not exactly something that they really want to do, I imagine. That we need to we need to get rid of that pretty simple. But <laughs> there is a twist in order because all right. Abby, I'm going to take a step back for a second because okay. there is some, there's something we need to talk about because okay. it's driving me crazy. Okay. In this episode alone, mm-hmm. we get at least three or four different explanations of how somebody can come back to the real world or how they can't. Mm-hmm. And none of it makes sense by the end of it. And I no. just... So we have Cruella says uh-huh. the author can write her back to life. Uh-huh. Pan says, if I get the heart of a living person like Zelina put in my heart, I can be back to life. Uh Uh-huh. And then we have, if we split the, well, we also have the ambrosia. You get the Uh ambrosia, you're back to life. Uh Uh-huh. And then finally, we have, if we split the heart, you get back to life. But uh -uh uh-uh-uh to that one, because apparently he'll be going into a rotted corpse. Pan's been dead much longer. (laughs) That's the thing that, like, I have, the only possible explanation was Hades was lying at that point. And that it wouldn't be a corpse situation. It would be pure light magic. Ah, Like, it would be fine. Because, like, I'm so confused. So, okay, so I, (laughs) I believe Hades was not lying. Because, I mean, that does make sense. Like, okay, because we're mostly interacting right now with Hook's soul. Like, that's been made pretty clear. Um, so, gi- first of all, I, I don't know why giving the heart to his soul would have worked in general. Because, again, they pointed out that when uh, when Charming got the heart, it was put directly into his body. Yeah. So, like, that's what made sense. Like, his soul was still in his body, so, like, it all worked. Everything was still connected. We've still, boop, we've, we've held the soul in the body with keeping the heart in there. Excellent. Fantastic. But, like, you can't put a heart in a soul, and then that then goes... Like, there's no, like, weird transfer, transitive property of then now your... Like, your corpse rises from the dead because you were given a heart in the underworld. But, like, we're never explained that Hook... That, um... I'm sorry. Uh, Pan's plan, he's not there for that. He and Rumpel don't know that. So, like, Pan is continuing on with this thinking that he'll win this and rumple doesn't give him a heart rumple gives him a big bag of water which i guess rumple can just shove into anybody <laughs> like glamour does a heart or not but so like yes you're you're correct in the fact that they just keep making up rules because also like why does rumple need to walk through the portal if his blood allows him to haiti like to to underworld walk can he just come and go as he pleases? 
Yeah. I don't and understand how his blood thing works. why is this the only portal, like the last opportunity? Why is this the end all be all? Like this, this episode, this, the problem with the whole Underworld storyline was nobody was keeping track. No. Like there was not a, a, as far as I can tell, there was not a person sitting in the corner just keeping lore track. Okay, so in this episode, Cruella did, you know, was trying to escape by this way. And this was how Rumpel's blood worked the portal. Like, you have to, like, catalog those things and use them in future episodes. We get the jacket, but we don't get substantial information about how this entire world operates. And it's also like the underworld was being thwarted by Hades. And then he's like, once I leave, it'll function as it was meant to. But then Cruella's like, I'm going to be the new tyrant. How is she a god now? I'm getting so ahead of myself. But I just really wanted to point out that this episode in particular shows how flawed and inconsistent the world building was in the underworld storyline yes uh because we are all learning rules at the same time everybody else is Mm -hmm. it like and it's all done through exposition i wish there was like there had been like a tablet at the beginning like a stone tablet not like an ipad (laughs) that have been hilarious hello welcome to the underworld in order to go inside you're gonna need to don all your safety equipment you're also gonna need to watch this 30 second video about all of the safety things that you need to do or you are not allowed to enter our facility thank you at the end there will be a short exit test in which you do not pass you do not enter do you understand thank you i will be at my thing coffee to the side and bathrooms to the side please watch if you need subtitles please let me know i can find you a different ipad we never get like a welcome to the underworld you know, there are 30 rules. There's nothing. There's just a, you, they show up and then every time they learn something, they try to thwart that, but then they learn a second sub part D of everything that they do. And it's very frustrating because you're like, yay, they're winning. And then someone goes, you can't actually do that um, because of rules <laughs> and other reasons. Um, we'll make that, it just like, it's just someone making them up. And if you're just making them up, and again, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but like, why wasn't Henry doing way more stuff than the last 30 seconds that they were there? <laughs> Come on. This, there were so many things I really liked about this episode. And then there's all of this. Yeah. It just broke my soul. Anyway, so Zelina's like, you can't take my heart because I have a protection spell over it. To which Pan says, yeah, I can do it. And then that's the old, that's the answer. That's like, not well, we, how it yeah, works. Yeah, we can do it. That's not how it works. Pan is like the master of mindfulness. He's manifesting his... his <laughs> he, <laughs> listen, that's real white white man energy. Like, that's really yeah. like, like, I can do anything no matter what. Don't test me. Watch <laughs> me do it. Don't tell me there's rules. Let's go. But before he can rip out Zelina's heart and put it inside himself to be alive, being alive, uh, Emma smacks him with some light magic. And and then I, we do get what I admit is a very funny moment where every, like Emma or Haiti, someone turns to Rumpel and is like, you got what you wanted. Why are you still here? And then he's like, that's actually a really good point. And then he just yeah. takes off. Wait a minute. 
Why am I here? Why am I here? <laughs> I just wish he would have left. I know this is a family show, but it would have been so much funnier if he just like threw up two middle fingers and went <laughs> <laughs> like left. Bye, Dad. Bye, bitch. <laughs> Peace. Oh. And then Pan uh, leaves too using the same magic, which I thought was kind of weird. I feel like it was just a cheap thing that they had already made that smoke in that color and they didn't want to yeah. do multiples. But it was weird that Pan's magic was the same as Rumple when Rumple wasn't the one who was taking him away. But I digress. Uh, Hades and Zelina, they are reunited and it's gross and I hate it. And they have true love's kiss, which drove me bonkers because no. later on, there's a whole big deal with Hook and Emma where they're like, is this true love? There's literally a test to yeah. determine if it is true love. There's so much literal weight put on it because she has to put her heart on the on the scale. And meanwhile... A bicycle built for Zeus is enough to garner true love. Ruby slippers is enough to garner true love. Why are Hook and Emma being placed, give, being given such higher, um, uh, higher ground to to? I don't know how to um, how to word it. Their threshold is much higher. It's okay. So it's <laughs> it's that thing where in like a yearly review at your work. You're like, oh, I'm going to do fine because there was a bunch of other people that, like, really sucked. But then your boss is like, I actually rated you pretty poorly. And you're like, why? Those people are doing really badly. And then he says, I expected more from you. So I hold you to a different standard. And then you quit. <laughs> uh, uh, and then but, you give the two middle fingers and you disappear in a puff yeah. of smoke. <laughs> Bye, Dad! Uh, uh, yeah, no. it. You're right because I had the same thought where I'm like, they definitely have that, and the Ruby Slippers definitely have that, like, Romeo and Juliet is a love story, and not two chaotic youths chasing a very fleeting feeling, who end too soon to come to the realization that they know nothing about each other. Like, that's the same thing. It was like, oh, I, 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 had a, I was on a bike with a guy. Zelina... I don't know if I pointed this out before. I don't know if I did because I think I might have kept it to myself. But Zelina was definitely having like trying to marry a guy you met on vacation <laughs> vibes, <laughs> which you don't do. You meet a guy on vacation. You have a good time with a guy on vacation and then you leave and you go back to your real life. You do not continue to be with that guy <laughs> because you're going to find out he probably has a felony. He's not. Yeah. He's he's real weird. about like It's like that whole movie with like. I want to say it was Jimmy Fallon and maybe Drew Barrymore where like she dates him like through the winter and then she finds out like he's like way too into the Red Sox for her to be able to tolerate. It's a really weird movie. Very early 2000s movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, is it Fever Pitch? Yes. No, 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 no. Not Fever Pitch. Maybe. Hold on. I'm going to look it up now because uh, yeah, uh, Drew Barrymore, who, by the way, she recently did a reuniting with the cast from uh, her Cinderella movie, Ever After. <gasps> With her si her stepsisters, and they dressed up in everything. I cried. Oh, that's... I love that. Oh. Yes, please. I, I, her talk show I, is the only celebrity talk show I will tolerate. <laughs> <laughs> it I is mean, Fever Pitch. I was thinking about, like, there was some, like, um... There was some, like, Freddie Prince Jr. movie about baseball that I thought that that was. But anyway, yes. America's, America's pastime. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so they have True Love's Kiss, and I... Given how we find out about Hades' ulterior motives, it's a bit of a gray area whether 
it would actually be true love if he's also trying to do these other things. But he's doing them all for her, so I can kind of understand. But, like, true love is supposed to be, like, earnest and pure. And it's not, like, it's not something... You can manufacture. It's, it's very... Yeah, it's very specific that it's, like, it's not something a villain has if they are still being villainous. That's what we see with Rumple. Because he he tries to kiss Belle to wake her up, and uh, does not work. Held to a different standard. Held to a different standard, which that's fine by me on that one. Quite frankly, that one's fine by me. And I, I there was something I was seeing in like the um, Entertainment Weekly article where they were like, like um, thinking that like that was the first time that happened. I'm like, no. When he was Rumble Stiltskin, she tried to give him the kiss of true love. And then he pushed her away because he didn't want to lose his, because the kiss of true love was going to um, get rid of his dark darkness. I, so I think the thing that bothers me about, and this is, this, this happens with like any show that continues on like far enough. Eventually you just start ruining it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I like some of the, the pure stuff about it. Cause I always love true love's kiss because like in the first season, it seems like this, kind of magic that just you can't harness control or even understand like it it wakes up sleep it wakes up snow white but like he didn't know that that was gonna happen like he was sad and he kissed her and it was like it was a pure moment and that was the magic that woke it up or woke her up same thing with henry same thing with but then, like, we go farther and suddenly it's a, oh, well, if I just, like, think really hard in my mind's eye or whatever that it's going to work, then I can trick true love's kiss. I don't under... I, and I can use it to the to the ends that I want it to. Like... Yeah. That should... that So true love's kiss is, like, a magic that doesn't come with a price. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. kiss somebody. Like, it's not like he did that and then, like, now his basement's full of snakes or something. Like, just, ah. But, like, I think if you're doing something like that and you're able to manipulate it, that's the kind of magic that comes with a price. Yeah. So, anyway, that's it's, where I'm at. It's, We're, it's yeah. very it's it's very messy and murky and I don't see it getting any better. We've got Portals and True Love's Kiss. They are both done fucked up. Uh, but, yeah, so Rumple is unable to wake up Belle. Um, so he's going to put her in Pandora's box, which again, looks like those jewelry box coin things. You got it. I got it. Claire's. I was collecting them for a long time. I cannot get over it. It looks so cheap and so funny, but he has to get it from Pan because Pan is the one who's holding on to it. Pan goes to see him and is like, Hey son, uh, you kind of screwed me over there. You promised me a heart. And Rumble goes, fine i'll get you a heart he goes to robin i'm, I'm going a little bit out of order i just want to get this out of the it's way fine. he goes to robin gets the heart it's like you're not gonna remember this memory wipe whoosh whoosh comes back and is like here pan here's the heart it's totally the heart it looks just like the heart it operates as a heart puts it in and then he's just like ah it's not a heart at all no it's not i secretly gave robin's heart back okay uh because i knew you were gonna be spying on me with your shadow okay and uh, I secretly made and enchanted uh, some River of Lost Soul Water into a fake heart without touching it or getting any splashes on my body. Okay. And now your body is melting from the inside with with dead soul water. So why? So the 
let me tell you about the stupid place where my brain went for that one. Yeah. I was like, okay. how did he get it out of the river without touching it? Oh, well, he probably yeah. had, like, lab equipment, right? Like, he probably had, like, a pipette, and he was able to put it into a thing. Because, first of all, river souls water, you probably only need a little bit. So, like, but e- Rumpel's extra, so he probably got, like, a full pint or something. But, like, he was using a pipette. Okay, but where did he get the pipette? Because if the pipette's in the underworld, that pipette had unfinished business. So, first of all, using the pipette would either rise it to its higher place of being of pipette heaven, or it would destroy its soul, and then now he's touching the water again. There's no way he can get that water, because every time something would touch it, it would either ascend or melt. Yeah. So, you okay. Can't, anyone in the underworld cannot eat or consume or do or operate anything. Because the moment that it happens, it's an object with either finished business... Or it's an object that was really, really bad is now going to hell. Interacting with any object is just like a real time trial situation. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want some tea? Actually, can I just have some water? Because I don't have time to let the tea cool down. Uh, I've done it before and then I just end up with tea in my lap. It's a whole thing. Uh, But yeah, he does that. And then, so here's my question. Now that we've gone on a complete tangent. You can uh, you can live without a heart. Like, you can take your heart out of your chest and just fully live. Mm-hmm. Like, I can put it in a little uh, box, and I can put it in my mausoleum, and I can have a whole wall full of hearts. Very Edgar Allan Poe of me. Yay. And those people can just walk around and live. There's just a cavity where the heart was supposed to be. Why can't I just put stuff there? <laughs> Why would putting a bag of water make Pan upset? Like, well, because like, it's a well, box, it, it's a place it, to put. Well, I think it's because he, he called it a wine skin. So I think it was designed to once it made contact with his body inside or with his blood or whatever, it burst from. the. No, so no, 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 no. That's why he pushed him. He pushed him to burst it like a balloon. Because like when I hear wine skin, I'm thinking about the things like in D&D where you like you have it on your side. So like it's just like a leather bag. He just has a leather bag full of water. So he pushed him so hard he burst his heart. Yeah, he yeah he pushed him so hard, or there's no cap on it, so he pushed him and it spilled. Um, that's that's the way I thought about it. But like my theory is like if you're taking the heart, you now have just this empty shelf where your heart's supposed to be. I should be able to keep all kinds of stuff there. Like I'll take my heart out, Cora style, and just leave it here because I don't want to have feelings no more. Uh, but anyway, this is where I keep all my uh, tapioca for snacky later. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your lunch? You never oh, lose your credit like, cards or your phone again. You're like, your phone buzzes and you're like, do 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 Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I don't need to get it. It's fine. I need to put it on night mode though. Like, just starts lighting up in your chest and you can see your ribs, like, <laughs> glowing. Flashlight just dang, just got <laughs> because shining through your skin. A, bo- like the, a boomer doing that. Yeah, the flashlight's just constantly on, but they don't know how it turned on. Like, what's going on? <laughs> Well, to close out Rumpel's story, he puts Bell Bell in a box. It's a Bell in a box, babe. And then he runs through the portal. Bye, bye, Rumpel. Hardly knew ye. Well, we'll see. We'll see you again very soon, I'm sure. Uh, meanwhile, they, you know, mission accomplished. Pan and Rumpel have been stopped. Zelina has been saved. The magic cuff <laughs> has been removed. This, yeah, this is a very George loves- Bush mission accomplished on the back of the ship moment. We did it. Yes. Uh, they have true love's kiss, and then apparently, like, that means that there's going to be a portal, and then there's not going to be a portal, and it, they just need to give us a time clock for no reason, 
But you also can, like, if you want to be forgiving, just be like, Hades is orchestrating this whole thing. So, like, there's yeah. no real time clock. He's just made a time clock. Mm-hmm. Um, magically appear in a cemetery. And they're like, okay, well, we have, like, a few hours before sunset to a GTFO. And then the portal's going to close. Uh, but, oh, no, splitting the heart doesn't work. It hurts the pain because his body is rotted on the surface. And so but they it, have to. It, it's a super, super macabre line. Like, oh, your body is up there rotting. First of all, did they bury him? Because that was my other question about Pan. I thought Pan just sort of faded away. I don't they did rem- not. They did not bury Hook. Be, I'm pretty sure his body is still lying next to the river because they imme- he dies and then they immediately summon the ferryman to go to the underworld. They so yeah, Charon. so he's just sitting there, just sitting there, decomposing in the heat of summer. I don't remember what time frame it is, but yeah, just out there like an exp- it's the elements. But yeah, that's a yeah. Oh no, your body's up there. Like that's a kind of thing that really screws with your brain. If someone was like, "Oh, your body is somewhere else and it is rotting away," I'd be like, "It's a weird line." I gotta go stare at a wall for a while. Like, what is? But Dude. apparently, there is one way that they can uh, escape the underworld by following the tale of Orpheus and Eurydice. Uh, but not the actual one where it's like you don't look back and all this fun stuff. They're just going with the ambrosia part. They got to find the food of the gods, which is buried deep, deep, deep in the un- deep, deep, deep down, down the elevator. Go down, down, down where Hades himself will not tread because it's a scary room. It's really not. It's just it's a actually, room. It's actually just like the elevator super sketch. That's why I don't go. It was a little, um, it was a little, it was a little shaky. I little wish, janky. I wish they would have done the full story. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would have mm-hmm. loved that because that was always one of my favorite, one of my favorite myths. Because I'm just like, just don't look. Why would you look? But also the idea that, like, if she looked, that Hook would, like, hit the dirt. <laughs> Be like, Emma, don't look at me. <laughs> don't look. I'm not looking. Yeah, not unfortunately, looking. I mean, the whole thing about that was that your DJ didn't know in terms of the deal. Like, but, but it's kind of too late for that because Hook is right there. <laughs> Memory wipe. But Hook, like, that would have been neat because it would have just been like Hades trying to tell them this, not thinking that they knew the story. But mm. then like Henry being like, hey, I know the story. If he puts you on a boat, do not look back. He will turn into salt. Is that what he does? He turns into salt? Oh, that's from the Bible. Oh. Oh. Oh, yeah. What? No, he just he just leaves. Yeah, the pillar okay. of salt is from like is from like Babel it's like his sister like the daughters or something it's a real sketch story okay yeah sorry I was combining those in my head that'd have been all so weird (laughs) turn around he turns to salt (laughs) (laughs) garnish I have I believe in a lot of mixed faiths so I just it it all kind of goes in my head (laughs) it all blurs together it's all stories to live our lives like the best we can in this crazy world all right anyway so they have to head down 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 and Regina and everyone's gonna wait for them uh, Robin shows up with the baby and they don't have a prop. It's a real baby for like a few shots. And everybody makes the stupid dumbass decision to give the baby to Zelina. The one person they were like, don't give the baby to. Robin's like, no, I don't want to give my baby to this woman. Uh, do you remember how she sexually assaulted me? Uh, and had a child with me under false pretenses. And Regina's like, but she's my sister. Like, and I'm a- 
and we, I, we're sharing these spicy smiles. That's great. So we just watched our mother ascend into heaven. And frankly, I think that's made us all better people. I, I, I know we talked about this before, but I'm just very angry at Regina's characterization because no amount of happiness would take away her paranoia that mm-hmm. Hades would then do something. It's that like real hokey lines. Like I don't, it's not that I don't trust you. It's that I don't trust other people. Like, which is usually used by, like, people who are jealous and trying not to seem jealous. Uh, but the same way with, like, a paranoia thing where it's like, listen, Selena, I, I, I love you and this is great. But it's all still very new. I'm going to need time to trust. Which is a very valid thing to say. She's like, no, we just witnessed this wonderful miracle thing. We're all better. Give her a baby. She got here six days ago. Remember when you were in the woods hiding from her? Never mind. Never mind. We fixed it. It's fine now. And let's not forget how they're literally standing in the same room where Hades ripped up a contract for someone else's unborn baby. Like that he that he made like a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Hades removes the names from the stones because he said he would do that. Yay, they're all free and clear. Uh, And they all head to the library where they go because we only have like four sets in this goddamn show. And while as Emma and Hook head down, I'm going to save that for last. Um, We have the other team kind of waiting around. They get locked in because of Cruella and the Blind Witch. Oh, but first, before that happens... Oh, yeah, Henry yeah, yeah. has the super genius idea, which was actually a smart idea, but for some reason he was not doing it earlier, where he's like, oh, everybody who needs to know what their unfinished business is, I'll just write them all Cliff's Notes. Like, here's a Wikipedia entry for every, here's the step-by-step to to have your closure. I am happy we got a stealthy cameo. Yes. See? That's what we want. That's yep. what we want. We want endless amount. See, this is why the Star Wars fandom can eat it because they are never grateful for the cameos that they get they always want too much cameos at the wrong time it's a whole thing and i don't want to talk about it but like (laughs) that's all i want from once upon a time i want the littlest cameos i want drop mentions i want everything like do that please a crumb sir (laughs) that's all i want and apparently, uh, he had some severe grudges against Bashful, so that would have been a fun storyline to learn more about, but on another time. Another I love place. I love the idea that Henry, again, a child, is, like, writing out these things and pro- just very big, like, a lot of people's unfinished business are probably very adult problems, very complex, mm-hmm. very, you know, and it'd just be like, oh, well, can you, can you help me with my unfinished business? And he's just like, absolutely. And his pen starts going, and he's just like... Oh, here you go. We we don't have to talk about this in front of everybody. You just, <laughs> you can go. Also, don't turn it over. The picture that came out of my pen is extremely graphic. <laughs> just... <laughs> oh, there is at least one person in that line whose unfinished business was uh, dressing like a furry. Oh, like there's, 100- there is somebody who needs to find their fursona in that line 100%. Oh no, and there's one person that has like a not not full Jason Mendoza, but like the Jason Mendoza good place vibe of just being like one brain cell, not going to, but it's just a full like 
almost himbo kind of thing where the unfinished businesses never got to witness, never got to experience reverse cowgirl for himself. <laughs> like that's, that's all he wants. It's all he wants. <laughs> and Henry is just writing it like, like with his head turned like, Oh, okay. He's like, this isn't girl, two girls kissing at all. Yeah. I was like, come on. <laughs> there's never two girls kissing. <laughs> And then I love how he like he writes them out. He gets interrupted. They get locked in, and they're like, "Oh shit, it's Hades!" And they do manage to escape with Emma, which we'll 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 talk about her her escape. And I just love how Henry just leaves them in a giant pile and is like, "They'll find them." Like Here. the burn book, by the way. Like I would be horrified, <laughs> being like, "Hey, by the way, I found this book full of unfinished business. I found your unfinished business. You didn't read it, did you?" Like I, it could say nothing. It should be like your unfinished business is like. I don't know, jump in a jump in a pool, the cannonball or dive or something, you know, something really innocuous. And I'm just like, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I would if yeah. I would never want anyone to read my unfinished business. I would want anyone to know my unfinished business. Abby, your unfinished business is for people to read the novel that you wrote. No, I would rather just jump into the river of souls. Thank you. <laughs> I will never go to heaven. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what Cruella's about. She's like, I don't want to ascend. I don't want to descend. I'm cool here. I want my power. And I do like her little team up with the blind witch. Like, yes. I love this sisterhood. I'm into it. And they both have grudges against, you know, the women in the room. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense. Um, but before we get to our daring escape and our cliffhanger ending. Wow, this episode's going on for a while. Woo! It's a party time. Um, Emma and Hook are and uh, enter this room, and there is a scale on there. There wasn't a feather. That's I know that's Egyptian mythology, but I was kind of hoping for like that because this looks like you weigh your heart against a feather, and it shows your 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 goodness and everything. If you have the scale, you you should have something on the other end of it. That's all I'm saying, like a single coin or whatever. Having it against nothing seemed really weird to me. Like, it's all about balance, isn't it? Like, Mm -hmm. why are you balancing it with emptiness? Something with nothing is always going to weigh wrong. Mm -hmm. And, like, again, the point is, is, like, there's a test later. Uh, But still, you're right. They should have done something. I do think that, I do think in a different world where they use, like, a feather, you and I would be just like, that's Egyptian. Are they dumbasses? So, like, if you're going to do one... Like, do something that makes sense. Or do something that makes sense canonically with your story. Where, like, when they first split Emma's heart, I had to rewatch it. And I think it was just, like, the way that they were trying to show that the heart was alive. I thought I saw a bunch of darkness in it when she split it. Like, I was like... Because, like, you see that with Snow's heart every once yeah. in a while. You'll see that there's, like, a dark spot that she she working on it. She working on it. But, like... Wouldn't there be like some sort of like light spectrometer situation where if you put it in there, it needs to read this red, not this black. Like if it it has to hit here of good. I guess it's not a goodness. It's a love thing, right? Or a worthiness thing. And I am surprised like she was the literal dark one. Like why would her heart be completely pure and cured of all of it? Like she's done some shit. Like she's done some bad stuff. Like that leaves a mark. You can't just wash it away. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I think it was just like just mix. Let's just mix everything. It's just she has to go down there and lift Thor's hammer. Like she's like, I'm worth it. 
everything. <laughs> she just you smashes the portal loved? open. This would have been so Brando and not not characteristic of the show at all, but it's something I would like, and it's something I feel like Jane Espenson would do, where it's like it's a scale. And one part is empty where you put your heart and the other one just has one of those Valentine's Day heart candies. It says something like, be mine. Like, just a, just a goof of like, I don't know. I just thought that'd be really funny. No, there's a duck. There's a duck. It goes full Monty Python. There's oh, a duck okay. on one side and you have to weigh it against a duck. And if it weighs more than a duck, you're a witch and you have to be ejected from the underworld. <laughs> but like, to, to, to hell, hell. Um, well, Emma puts her heart on... Uh, the scale, which again, one Hades has been like on my shit list for the past few episodes. I have not liked his characterization. There was a funny moment where he ripped out Emma's heart and he's just like, don't worry, I'm going to give it back to you. And he puts it in a bag and he's like, here, here you go. I thought that was really funny because he was just so nonchalant about it. He's like, here's your heart. Here, I'm going to give it back yeah. to you. Just and then Emma's response it. to that. Okay, can we just not do that again? Like, it's like the <laughs> second time it's happened in like 12 seconds for her. She's like, okay, okay. Okay. Leave my heart in my body. Leave my heart in my body. What a weird thing to need to tell people. <laughs> and she puts the heart and it seems like it's working, but then nothing happens. And then Emma starts feeling a lot of pain. Uh, Hook is surrounded in fire. And then she has to apparently, he's telling her, choose your heart, get your heart. And she instead runs to Hook into the fire. And that was the test all along. She, that, listen, I don't know how long it actually lasted, she should not be a firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> she sat there and stared at him for so long. He was on fire. <laughs> she doesn't do anything to put the fire out, but she also just keeps looking back and looking. Like, she spends a lot of time deciding whether or not she's going to save him. Too long. I feel like I would not have let the door open. I've been like, girl, you, like, reverse engineered it and figured out it was a test. No. Uh, but she, yeah, she, cause I would have liked that, like to her take it off and she's like trying to put the flames out, but the, like the flames are already out because they were pretend cause he's not actually on fire, but she doesn't know that, but she picked him instead of her own heart. It's, it's it was, it's, I don't know. It's like that trope where you like tear up your test in front of the professor. I'm not going to take your test. You get an A. You pass. <laughs> it was a test all along. I, I liked this. I thought it was sweet until a hook explained it to me and then I got mad again. Don't like, explain things to me. I got it. <laughs> Don't explain. Don't explain. <laughs> and well, they head into the tree, but oh no, it's been cut down. All the ambrosia has been turned to dust. There's no hope or of anything. I guess they're going to have to go back up and start from scratch. But Hook's like, no, Emma, I'm going to stay down here in this really, really dark room instead of up in the underworld part where I can just walk around and hang out. I'm going to stay down here. His reason is he doesn't want to say goodbye in front of other people, which, like, I get. I'm sure that he didn't want all the pressure because mm-hmm. that they would give him to, like, you know, he he, he wants to, like, close things, close the door. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he and Emma have a very tearful goodbye. Um, they're, like, holding their hands as she's raising up in the elevator. For the longest time, I was like, is this going to just, like, chop off her hand? <laughs> but it didn't. She was fine. Sad goodbyes, uh, no true love's kiss, but I'm guessing that's because he's a soul and he's not a person right now. So I'm guessing true love's kiss wouldn't work in that instance. No, his rotted corpse would not allow it. Um, <laughs> I will say, like I said, like this was a very, like, I liked this. 
I did like Hook's reasoning. I kind of wish they would have just added, hey, send it back down once you get up there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, just be like, hey, send me. Because she has such a nice moment. And this is the the part of, the part that wrecks me about this whole, like, underworld thing and, and people who are dying and stuff. Because, like, you know, there's a lot of baggage with that. But, like, he, she is, like, tear, like, so many tears. The big glassy eyes. My God. Jennifer Morrison. A thousand Emmys. And she's just like, she's like, you need to move on. She's like, I do not wait for me to come down here. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I, I'll see what I can do, which is such a like. I I don't know. I I thought that was sweet. It was very like if, again a very existential thing because like. There's that whole thing in Titanic where when Rose eventually dies, she goes and she's like back in the Titanic and Jack is waiting for it. I'm like, how weirded out is her husband, <laughs> who is also <laughs> an husband like right the guy that she never talked about and now she's just like oh I met this guy when I was like really young. He was on a boat. He died. Yeah, like, you know, she had children with that guy. Oh, my and God. Rome- Leonardo DiCaprio playing two dudes in two movies that I like that have, like, weird vacation romances and then die tragically. I should, I should look at theme. that. Episode. Listen, Romeo and Juliet is a fantastic movie. I'm obsessed with that movie. I need to rewatch oh. that movie. It is so good, but do not make me try to watch uh, Elvis again because I will throw it out I'm of sorry. building. In in let, let's let's put Elvis and Romeo and Juliet on a scale together, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and weigh and their heaviness. hearts. Yeah. yeah, just weighing hearts, and then like yeah, Elvis does not get to go into um, the room of Ambrosia, but uh, mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet get to go set up residence there. They it's do. Fine. Well, Emma comes back up and says Hook is not following suit. They have to get out. But oh, no, they're trapped because Hades played them all. Oh, no. But luckily, they have enough magic between the two of them, her and Regina, to open the door. They get to the portal and we get like Emma for way too long. Like I thought for certain her and her and uh, her dad were just going to get stuck because she turns around and has a whole speech. And I'm like. Have the speech on the other side. Either either get on the other side of the portal or run or take off to go save Hook. Like, you have to pick one because that speech is for no one except for yourself, hun. Like, yeah, I love you. But what? Also, it's a bad speech. Feel like we didn't need yeah. to hold it up for this weird armor thing. I, I didn't like this at all. <laughs> like, I liked her goodbye with Hook. I wish it would have mm-hmm. just been like a sorrowful look behind her. And been like, he chose this and goes back in. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, this this seemed very weird. It was. It was. It was. It was overwritten, I think, is yes. the issue. Okay. Um, yes, yes, yes. But she does go through the portal with with Charming and it closes. And then it sets back to, I think, like 8.15 or something. Like, back to the beginning. And that's the end of the episode. That's season five, episode 20, Firebird. We end on a pretty intense cliffhanger, the likes of which we don't really get often on the show. And I I, I will forgive all the badness just because I like that ending. I, I like that you and I are just like, I love it when an episode ends like a bummer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but we know it's going to be okay. So it's I know, like... But- but I, I agree, though, like an episode that can end, not even on like a, 
I wouldn't even say a cliffhanger. It's just a bummer because it seems like everything's tied up. You know what I mean? Like the biggest cliffhanger is the fact that Hades left because we, in this episode, we are to presume that Hook has made his choice and it was a very big emotional scene. So like, you could be like, oh, this was, this was his like death monologue. This was him. This was us saying goodbye to him for whole season and now he's gone. Fantastic. Great. And then she gives some weird heavy-handed speech about how she was never going to, like, something about her armor, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, so that's true. It's whatever. So it's not even a cliffhanger because it's not like, oh, man, what's going to happen next? It's just a, oh, I am bummed out. (laughs) What a bummer. So, yeah, I agree with you. Good episode aside from its less than strong parts. Yes, and there are quite a few less than strong parts. Oh boy. (laughs) It did have all of the earmarks of setting us up for something bigger. Mm -hmm. So like I even even going in blind to this episode, you could feel it. Like it's a bummer, but you're just like, oh man, something's gonna happen. Like I don't know what, because it didn't indicate that anyone had the upper hand of any sort except for possibly Hades, question mark. Yeah, and that's, I'm just kind of withholding my judgment on that because I'm not expecting much. Because when literally all the Dark Ones were like, we're going to come to Storybrooke, we're going to wreck shit up, they did not. They did not deliver. Hades so far, in most ways, has not delivered. I don't I don't see a I don't see a very satisfying big epic conclusion to this storyline in the next episode. No, in no way is that going to happen. Um but I mean we we lead into something much bigger. So we lead into something much bigger that is only going to do great. It's only going to yeah. go good places. Completely successful, not at all mm-hmm. disappointing and wonderful <laughs> all the way <laughs> Well, everyone, we want to thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean, iHeartRadio, lots of places, wherever you get those podcasts. You can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. You can support us on Patreon. I almost talked about Twitter, but I'm not talking about Twitter because no. we're not using it. And they're also getting rid of the blue check marks. Uh, which, uh, yay for that. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this week's Patreon shout out goes to Pungus Magnuson. If I am pronouncing your name incorrectly, I do deeply apologize. And please let me know how to pronounce it correctly. Uh, I want to thank all of our wonderful Swan Cream patrons. And uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, you head to patreon.com slash OUA timing. And we're going to be back next week with season five, episode 21, Last Rites. So thank you everyone for joining us in Abbey. We will see you next time. See you next time. (laughs) 